I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And And this this is Hashtag Hashtag History. The podcast for both history nerds and history haters alike. Where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. Hey guys, this is Hashtag History, episode 15. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And Leah, tell me how you're feeling right now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think it is starting to, you know, hit in. I'm very sweaty. Um, I just took three shots on a live stream on Instagram. Because of um, our listeners who are bad influences. Yeah, they're really bad influences because they <laughs> encouraged me to take three shots on a Wednesday night before <laughs> recording an episode. So thanks, guys. And we still have a cocktail here, obviously, to drink. So Correct. And I'm, <laughs> I may or may not have made it a little stronger than the recipe calls for. <laughs> Even after three shots. I'm just like, I might as well go for it. It's yeah. three shots in, you know. Go big or go home. Exactly. And you are already home. So there's that. Exactly. No need to Uber, guys. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so before we get into this episode, Leah, I want you to tell me something that I am obsessed with that is not history. True crime. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> um, uh, Keep going. Uh, ballet. Um, uh, uh, Maybe think music? Crooners. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just going to tell you. Jonas Brothers. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what? (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, that was unsuccessful, but now you guys know everything that I love. So (laughs) (laughs) I am obsessed with Frank Sinatra. You know what? I didn't know that. Are you being serious? Which is interesting because Nico, my husband, hardcore obsessed with Frank Sinatra. Like, Knows every single lyric yes. to every single song. Yes. Oh, I guess me. I did know that because you did like a Christmas dance to a Frank Sinatra song. Never mind. I, think, I knew that. Yeah, I think for the last like 10 years that I've been choreographing, I have used a Frank Sinatra song every year, some way or another. Yeah, that's probably true. Okay. <laughs> that, that, it's all clicking in. I got it. So for Leah now and for everyone else, FYI, I'm obsessed with Frank Sinatra. When I am asked like what my favorite genre of music is, I always go like that Frank Sinatra smooth jazz genre. That's always my favorite. Yeah. And another thing that I like about Frank Sinatra is that everybody knows who he is. Everyone has heard Fly Me to the Moon or New York or My Way, which, by the way, quick fun fact, My Way is Frank Sinatra's most well-known song, and he actually hated that song. I feel like that, out of all of his songs, is probably the most overplayed, so perhaps that's why. That's exactly why. He was, when his um, audience would call for the song, he's like, no, seriously, I'm sick of that song. (laughs) He's like, no, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so anyway, everyone knows about Frank Sinatra. They know who he is, but I doubt many people know that Frank Sinatra was once arrested for adultery and... um, seduction uh he had major ties to the mafia including some of which that tied him to the kennedy family 
the FBI had a file on Sinatra that was over 2,000 pages long. His son was kidnapped and held for ransom. He was blamed for being responsible for Marilyn Monroe's death. Oh, and he had an extremely violent temper and may have actually been a jerk. So, yeah, with that revelation about my favorite singer, Leah, I think I need a drink. And I need a fourth... My fourth drink? Okay. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) All right, so I've decided I kind of want to do a theme song for our cocktail segment. What do you think? I, I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. I don't know how it's going to happen, and it probably never will, but I think I like that idea. I love that idea. Especially since we're talking about music, or Frank Sinatra music. Yes. You know. Let's do okay. something. Okay. So this week, in honor of Old Blue Eyes, I wanted to do a cocktail that I thought he might kind of like. So okay. apparently, yeah, apparently Frankie's favorite liquor was actually Jack Daniels, which is just fine with me since whiskey is (laughs) as we all know my favorite as well so thank you frank yay yeah so he supposedly discovered tennessee whiskey after asking jackie gleason to suggest a drink that would quote get me smashed (laughs) (laughs) i've asked the same thing before like (laughs) exactly one that's gonna get me smashed (laughs) exactly so gleason's response of course was uh jack daniels that's a good place to start oh my god Um, i love it yeah, so Sinatra drank it, and for the rest of his life, was even rep- wait what? <laughs> <laughs> so Sinatra, oh, my God, Sinatra, <laughs> Sinatra. <laughs> so Sinatra drank it, loved it for the rest of his life, loved it, and was even reportedly buried with a bottle of it. Uh, that's a little too far. <laughs> like. I, I even asked Nico about this, and he was like, yeah. Yeah, he was. Jack Daniels. Oh, wow. I, so it's not, I, I think it's true, maybe. I, I love Frank Sinatra, but I did not know that. Yeah, so when sipping his whiskey, Sinatra preferred to keep it simple, unlike me, because I'm bougie. <laughs> so he just added some ice, liquor, and a bit of water, but water. We, yeah, so th- some people some people add a little bit of water, so it's not quite so strong. Okay. But we can't do that. We can't sip straight whiskey, right? I, I mean, I did just take three shots of whiskey, but sipping it, especially <laughs> yeah. sipping Jack Daniels, that sounds gross. <laughs> so I'm making a fancy cocktail instead, and all you whiskey straight up on the rocks freaks can <laughs> just deal with it. Okay? Cool. Okay. So this is the Sinatra smash. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay. Four fresh blackberries muddled. One and a half ounces of fresh sweet and sour mix. A fourth ounce of vanilla simple syrup. A half ounce of blackberry liqueur. Chambord, I think, is the kind that I used. And then one and a half ounces of Tennessee whiskey. Preferably Jack Daniels, which, as we've discussed in recent episodes, I actually use Jim Bean instead. I'm sorry. As, as do I, because it's your liquor that I bought. <laughs> so. Okay. Can I make a confession? Yes. Um, so you're amazing, and you always post the um, cocktail, like, 
ingredients and instructions and stuff mm-hmm. for me to put together like several days in advance. Yes. Um, I just made this like obviously right before we started recording, but it wasn't. So I looked at the same thing that you just read, but it wasn't until right now when you said muddled for the blackberries that I was like, oh, did you just oh. pop them in there? Um, up until just now, yes, they were like just sitting in the glass. I just muddled them with my fingers. So. <laughs> like I'm imagining I, you doing it while I'm talking. Yes. Just, like slowly squishing a blueberry I between was. your fingers. While you were saying all of that, I was squishing them with my fingers. <laughs> oh my god. I love it. Oh, anyway, my, my blackberries have been muddled. <laughs> and my okay. fingers are now red. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> so as Rachel said, you are supposed to muddle the blackberries with the sweet and sour mix. <laughs> and then add in simple syrup, the blackberry liqueur, and the whiskey. Shake with ice until chilled, and then strain over cracked cracked ice in an old-fashioned glass. I don't know what cracked ice is. Yep, I um, just got the stuff that shoots out of the fridge. So. Exactly. And then serve, garnish with a mint sprig, and as we know... Neither Rachel and I <laughs> ever actually do a garnish. So, yeah. Yeah, but I am going to admit that I have actually already tried this drink because I was so curious about it. And it was such a kind of weird combination of things that I was a little, I was worried about it. So, uh-huh. I tested it out and it might be my favorite drink that we've made on this show so far. Oh my and, God. Yeah. Really? And it's, I wouldn't say it's like the best tasting one in the world. It's actually kind of weird, but it's just like there's something about it that I just, I really, 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 really like it. <laughs> All right. So then do I, you want me to try it now? Yes, please do. I'll okay. take a sip and then I'll go into my little fun fact about it real okay. quick. Okay. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Or here I go, I guess. My one thing about it is that the muddled blackberries, I guess it does say strain it, but my little shaker, the strainer actually lets a lot through. Mm. So there's like a lot of the blackberry chunks in it. And like, I don't hate it, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't want chunks in my straw. I And I feel the opposite way. People you like it? Come at, well, no, I like it. Definitely. Um, don't come at me, people that don't like orange juice with pulp. I like it both ways, but oh, I also yeah. do like pulp because I kind of like some texture. It kind of makes it feel like a smoothie. So yeah. with this, my blackberries are actually all down at the bottom. And I wish they were like mixed throughout the drink so I could kind of chew them too yeah no i feel that i no, have a straw so it just sucks got it. i'm sucking them up the straw as i go got it yeah. i really like it this is a great one do you actually no i really really do okay it tastes um <laughs> it tastes like uh what does it taste like it tastes like sweet whiskey blackberries? Mm-hmm. Uh, i don't know that i taste the blackberries just yet but it tastes like sweet whiskey that is purple and that's what i like about it <laughs> Tastes like purple whiskey, guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, fun fact about Jack Daniels, since it is his favorite. Okay. Okay. Did you know that Jack Daniels cannot actually be sold in the county it is produced in? No. Yeah. So Lynchburg in Moore County, Tennessee is actually a dry county, which what? I didn't know that those still existed. No. TBH. Yeah. Especially not... 
some place that makes me think of Tennessee whiskey. That song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? And especially in a place that produces Jack Daniels. Like, come on, guys. That's crazy. Yeah. So the people that work at Jack Daniels, they actually have to that- go out of the county to buy Jack Daniels. That is crazy. So much for an employee discount. <laughs> that's true i wonder if they have like coupons or something yeah, to get them. <laughs> that is crazy yeah i thought that was interesting well this is delicious thank you yes and here's to cheers to um frank for you know also liking whiskey because that just made my night cheers to frankie here's to frankie now let's learn what a dickhead he was oh man <laughs> Well, I guess that's actually where I wanted to start this episode was kind of with um, somewhat of like a mission statement or a disclaimer, um, because this episode is in no way supposed to be a bashing of Frank, 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 Frank Sinatra, (laughs) a bashing of Frank Sinatra, because as I have already shared, I am quite literally obsessed with his music. The intent of this episode, as with every episode... And the very reason why we started this podcast is just to provide greater insight and introduce you all to something about history that you likely didn't already know. I'd also like to say here um, that Leah and I both have had several shots of (laughs) liqueur, and so I am going to stumble throughout this episode. Right. I'll cut some of it out, but I'll definitely leave a lot in there just for our uh, viewers pleasure. (laughs) You're welcome, guys. All right. So let's start at the very beginning. Sinatra was born on December 12th, 1915, which December 12th is my baby brother's birthday. And um, also, by the way, he's going to be 21 this year. Are we going to take him out for drinks? Can we please? As if Jared is straight edge straight edge thank you that's the perfect word i wanted to use also just a note to all you guys that children born in 1998 are of legal drinking age this year okay okay (laughs) anyway sinatra weighed um 13.5 pounds at birth holy yeah my baby brother that I was just talking about, he actually weighed 12 pounds at birth. So <laughs> they have some similarities here. Oh my gosh. Jer, Jer. <laughs> yeah. My brother's name is Jared. Um, I'm going to have to tell him to listen to this episode because I'm going to actually talk about him a lot in this episode. Oh, that's yeah. nice though. Yeah. Anyway, so Sinatra, 13.5 pounds. My brother, 12 pounds. My poor mother and Mm -hmm. poor Mrs. Sinatra. Truly, truly. (laughs) Baby Sinatra was so large, in fact, that he actually had to be removed from his mother's womb with forceps. You know, those, um, you know, I'm talking about those like clamp things. Mm -hmm. And they Mm -hmm. actually ended up leaving him with a permanent scar. Leah, I've uploaded a um, later picture of Sinatra for you to look at and to check out that scar. Oh, yes. On his chin. I never, I guess I never noticed that. He has a little, uh, well, a pretty big scar on his chin. Yeah. Do they really just clamp his face and pull him out? Yes. Can can you imagine? In in 1915, they quite literally clamped his face and pulled him out of his mother's vagina. (laughs) 
Ew. Yeah. yeah. So the reason why I think you said like, oh, I've never noticed that about Sinatra before. Um, it was actually really difficult to locate a picture featuring Sinatra's scar because he was very intentional about only being photographed from the right hand side. He was very self-conscious about that scar. He was actually, sadly, very self-conscious about many aspects of his appearance. He had 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 pretty bad acne as a teenager, and that also left scars on his face, which he would use makeup to cover up. He was also self-conscious about his height. He stood at 5'7", and so he would sometimes wear heightened shoes. He um, had one of those rags-to-riches, typical musician trying to make it in the big world stories, He never actually took music lessons and never learned how to read music, which is absolutely fascinating to me. For our listeners that do not know, Leah can play guitar. And can you play the piano too? Yeah, I took lessons like in middle school. So, I mean, I can can piddle around on it. That's what I thought. Also, by the way, guys, she has an absolutely phenomenal singing voice. Says the person who can sing like an angel. Let's just compliment each other for the rest of this episode, Rachel. This might get (laughs) awkward for everybody. (laughs) My point in sharing that, though, um, also saying for myself, so the reason why I share that um, and also share that I can play the piano and I sing in choirs and stuff when I was growing up, um, why I say that is because hearing that someone like Sinatra never learned how to read music is so crazy to me. Because being able to read music is the only reason I know how to play the piano. Yeah, and I do have to say, like, I wouldn't say reading music comes, at least not anymore, now that I don't do it, like, on a daily basis. It doesn't come naturally to me, but there's no question in my mind that anytime I sit down at a piano, I could figure it out. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I yes. can look if at, you have the music, music sheets in front of you. I can figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's why it's just so crazy to me. Um, Sinatra, he was expelled from high school after only 47 days because of rowdy behavior and then did his best to make his way as a musician with singing at local social clubs and even singing for free on radio shows just to get his name out there. Wow. Yeah. So fast forward to the Frank Sinatra that we all know as one of the best-selling musicians in the world with over 150 million records sold worldwide. Because this here is where we get into the juicy stuff about Sinatra that not everyone knows. So let's talk about his love life first. Leah, are you familiar with Sinatra's love life at all or any of the women that he may have dated and or married? I feel like as soon as you start throwing them at me, I'm going to be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. But I can't, I couldn't name them <laughs> I do <for> too. <laughs> That's all right. So um, let's talk about baby Sinatra that got married when he was but 19 years old to Nancy Barbado. They had three children together with a baby actually between number two and number three that was aborted when Nancy could tell the marriage was declining. Frank but then was, number three came in and she was like, I, yeah, might as well. I, you know what? <laughs> Having been in some relationships myself, the roller coaster goes both up and down at different <laughs> times. So <laughs> sometimes, sometime between number two and number three, things weren't looking so great. But by number three, it was, I don't know. All right. All right. <laughs> 
Um, why that marriage was declining, um, there were several reasons, but the main one being that Frank was stepping out with several other women, including Marilyn Maxwell and Ava Gardner, who will come up again shortly. His infidelity led to their divorce, but they continued to love each other for the rest of their lives. In fact, they would still talk on the phone late at night and make visits to one another over the years. Nancy Barbado Sinatra only just passed away last year in 2018 at the age of 101 years old. Dang, girl. Very cool. Where, what is she drinking? Obviously not whiskey. <laughs> not yet. Not whiskey. Water. <laughs> lots and lots of water. <laughs> lots and lots of water. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, Sinatra began an extramarital affair with a woman by the name of Ava Gardner, who also ended up becoming wife number two. In fact, Sinatra's divorce from Nancy was finalized in October of 1951, and then he turned around and married Ava on November 7th, 1951. Oh, and then separated only two years later after an absolutely insane relationship that involved a very public abortion and very public fights. Similar to his first marriage, though, Sinatra continued to be somewhat involved with Ava over the course of the next several years and continued to support her financially. I'd say Sinatra learned a thing or two with his next marriage because he did at least wait almost 10 years before remarrying in 1966, but maybe I shouldn't give him that much credit because in 1966, Sinatra was 50 years old when he married 21-year-old actress Mia Farrow. Yeah. Sinatra demanded that Farrow quit her acting career to be a stay-at-home wife while he pursued... Whoa, pursued. Pursued. Pursued his own. (laughs) While he pursued his own acting and producing career. They made an agreement that she would be in one more film, Rosemary's Baby, but this ended up being the demise of their marriage. Rosemary's Baby ended up extending beyond the initial filming schedule, which pissed Sinatra off. One, because they had had a deal. And two, because he had actually cast her in one of his own movies, The Detective, and her filming schedule for her movie changing meant that she didn't show up to film for Sinatra's movie. Oh, that doesn't look good. Yeah, I know that's super awkward. But I mean, it was Rosemary's Baby, which is like critically acclaimed, right? Isn't it? Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. It's a big deal. (laughs) Yeah. Sinatra um, had his attorney serve her with divorce papers on the set of Rosemary's Baby. As with his other marriages, though, he and Pharaoh continued to be friends even after their divorce and all the way up until Sinatra's death. Maybe that's something we can take away from Frank is how to go through divorces and breakups without, like, having it. It mean that without of the having to unfriend them on Facebook, exactly. Yeah, without having to block them on LinkedIn. <laughs> Not that that's happening. <laughs> Who even does that? I, you <laughs> blocks people on LinkedIn. You would be surprised that I have had to do that. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow. Whew. I mean, anyway. not wow. Like no judgment. Just like. Wow. 
I've never been in that position. <laughs> I unfortunately have. So anyway, moving on to Sinatra. Right. Sorry. Nearly a <laughs> nearly a, a decade later, in 1976, Sinatra married his fourth and final wife, Barbara Marks, whom he remained married to until his death in 1998. Which that just now made me realize that Sinatra died in 1998, the same year that the brother I keep referring to was born. Yeah. So it's, mm-hmm. Is it just me or do Sinatra and my brother have a lot of ties? Does your brother sing? He actually has an excellent singing voice. I was going to say, I feel like I could picture him being like a really good crooner, just like Frank Sinatra. <laughs> and he plays the guitar. He plays some piano. Hmm. Just saying. Ladies. <laughs> um, Sinatra had many extramarital affairs with very famous women, some that even led to engagements. Two of those very famous women were Judy Garland and Marilyn Monroe. As for Garland, they had two very romantic getaways, one with, uh, (laughs) one while Garland was still married to, um, the guy that would one day give her Liza Minnelli and the other in the aftermath of Sinatra's failing marriage with Ava Gardner. Marilyn Monroe is a whole other story. Not only did Sinatra have an affair with Monroe, but he was also buddies with Joe DiMaggio, Monroe's second husband and Yankee baseball player. So that's weird. (laughs) I feel like it's like back then people, it was like a small, Hollywood was small and they just all slept with each other. Yeah. They all were just, you know, it was a thing. It was a thing. Yeah. There is one particular infamous story about Sinatra and Monroe in which Sinatra and DiMaggio were out to dinner together when a private eye that DiMaggio had on Monroe informed him that Monroe was in a nearby apartment with another man. See, although DiMaggio and Monroe were still married at this time, their marriage was declining and DiMaggio was becoming increasingly paranoid about Monroe's cheating, so he paid for a private investigator to tail her. When DiMaggio and Sinatra both learned this, they raced from the restaurant without paying the bill, by the way. That's just one added element to this scandal. Um, And then they went to raid the apartment where Monroe and this mystery man were staying. When they broke into the apartment room, they found instead a woman by the name of Florence Cotts, who was absolutely terrified. They had gotten misinformation and broke into the wrong room. Oh my gosh. But for Miss Florence, she sued them later on and won. Good for you, Florence. (laughs) DiMaggio and Monroe later divorced, but it ended up leading to resentment from DiMaggio toward... Uh, Sinatra, as he then watched Sinatra turn around and have an affair with his ex-wife. Oh, yeah. Right. DiMaggio ended up despising Sinatra so greatly that he would later go on to accuse him of causing Monroe's death and even demanded that anyone he ever associated with never mention Sinatra's name in front of him. Now, Sinatra's lady troubles extended far beyond just his tumultuous marriages. They extended so far as to put him behind bars. Leah, I've uploaded a picture of young Frankie for you to look at, and I'm going to bet that this image of Sinatra is not exactly what we usually envision when we think of Frank Sinatra. 
Okay. Oh, little baby Frankie. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's him at a obviously being arrested. You know, it's a mugshot, the front and side view of him, and he. It's probably the youngest picture I've ever like. I've never seen him this young in a photograph. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. So he's this was, I, um, very young. Mm-hmm. Um, it was back in 1938. So yeah, he was a youngin. And this story is crazy, and mostly just because I'm analyzing it by today's standards. Um, Basically, back in 1938, Frankie was thrown in jail for a charge of, drumroll please, seduction. Okay. I didn't think... Okay. Well... I just don't have a comment. Okay. Yeah. So back in this time, a man could be put away for getting a woman to sleep with him, often with the promise of marriage that was not necessarily followed through with. And this was interesting. Yeah. It was criminal because it ruined the woman's reputation. I did some hefty research about this because I, of course, want to know if this situation that happened with Sinatra and another woman was consensual, in which case, if it was not consensual, you would understand why he was charged. Although I would think this would be a charge of assault or rape or something, which were charges you could be put away for in the 1930s. But no, he was charged with seduction. Which leads me to believe, like, was it the police officer who arrested him's niece? Like, you know what I mean? Oh, like- I never thought of something like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm That's sure it was 1930s. Thought. Yeah. I, I I know different standards, different, totally like worldview back then. But it's mm-hmm. really hard for me to believe that they would actually arrest someone for just picking up a lady friend. And sleeping with her and then not marrying her. Uh... <laughs> it gives It gives the brain some stuff to noodle on. Um, he was quickly released. Um, after being charged only to be thrown back in jail a few months later after investigators had conducted further research and found that this woman that he had slept with was actually married. This escalated the charges to adultery. And after 16 hours behind bars, once again, Mr. Sinatra was released. Was he famous at this point? Uh, Not quite yet. Not the hype. Of his career, he was. This was kind of the era when he was still kind of singing um, at local social clubs and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, this wasn't the only time Sinatra came in contact with law enforcement. In fact, the FBI tracked Sinatra for over forty years, collecting thousands of pages of data about him, which were made public after his nineteen ninety eight death, and can actually now be read online. This is crazy to me. Frank Sinatra had an FBI file that was thousands of pages long. I think that alone is such a fascinating piece of history and is totally something to geek out about that, like, most people don't know. The next time a Sinatra song comes on, I dare you guys, our listeners, to challenge the person sitting next to you and say, hey, but did you know that the FBI tracked Sinatra for 40 years? It's fascinating. Yeah, that is fascinating. So why was the FBI so fascinated with this famous musician? Because he was an adulterer? (laughs) Well, that's one. That's a good one. (laughs) Okay. Um, 
one of the biggest ones was there was a rumor that had circulated for years that Sinatra had paid a doctor upwards of $40,000 to basically write him a doctor's note stating that he was medically unfit for the World War II draft. This did not look good to the public and became a PR disaster. But more than that, it did not look good to the FBI, and they opened up a case to look into it. Another document located in Sinatra's FBI file was a letter written by an anonymous citizen who had a bit of paranoia and wanted the FBI to keep an eye on Sinatra because he was afraid that someone like Sinatra, who was loved and adored by so many, could be the next Hitler that could easily sway and persuade the general public. The majority of Sinatra's FBI file, though, had to do with his ties to the mafia. And let me tell you, those ties ran deep. Although Sinatra always denied having any association with the mafia, there's just too much evidence supporting the contrary. In fact, one of Sinatra's closest friends was infamous mobster Sam Giancana. Sinatra and Giancana. I'm trying to say that right. Giancana. <laughs> I would think it would be Giancana. Let's go with Giancana because that sounds better. Okay. Okay. Um, Sinatra and Giancana did many under the table favors for one another. For oh. example, hey, are you being weird? Hey. <laughs> 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 you can cut it out. You can, I'll cut it out. No, I liked it. <laughs> it was good. You were like, oh, interested. <laughs> okay. <laughs> here, here are actual examples of those under-the-table favors. Um, Sinatra performed at John Cana's club in exchange for favors like acquiring more votes for the presidential campaign of John F. Kennedy and getting out of a music deal contract. He even played a middleman between Kennedy and the Mafia for a time and eventually introduced JFK to Giancana's girlfriend, Judith Exner. And if that name sounds familiar at all, it is because she became one of JFK's most infamous affairs. She also ended up serving as a liaison between Kennedy and the Mafia, and the FBI has long suspected that her coordinations with the Mafia is what ended up winning Kennedy the presidency. Sinatra also introduced Marilyn Monroe to Giancana. In fact, more recent claims state that Monroe spent her very last night on this earth before her tragic death at Sinatra's lodge with none other than Giancana. Later in life, the mafia began to turn on Sinatra. The more involved he became with Kennedy, the less they trusted him. Sinatra also testified before a grand jury regarding mafia corruption in casinos, and this officially ended the friendship. One of the craziest stories about Sinatra occurred on December 8th, 1963. Leah, I don't know if you can recall just right off the top of your head another huge event that occurred in American history in 1963. Wow, no, there's a lot. There's a lot. It has to do with JFK. His assassination. Yes, which can I just say, like, a very cool side note. Um, my great-grandma kept the newspaper, uh, the Sacramento Bee, from uh, when JFK was assassinated that day, and I still have it. Oh, that's really cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So my dad, he actually um, says that he remembers specifically where he was when they announced it. 
Really? Yeah, he was on the playground. He was like six, I think, or something. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, it, it, so you're right. It was the assassination of JFK, and it happened in November of 1963, so literally only days before the incident we are talking about here. So Frank Sinatra had a son, Frank Sinatra Jr., that also, he also pursued a singing career. Now, these two high schoolers, Joe Amsler and Barry Keenan, they decide on a get-rich-quick scheme to kidnap Sinatra Jr. and demand ransom from Papa Sinatra himself. Papa so, Sinatra. Ju- I'm trying to differentiate. For, for Jr., I'm going to refer to him as just Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I guess when I say Sinatra, I'm talking about his dad. <laughs> so, Jr. is chilling out at... Why did I forget how to say Horace? Horace? Girl, it's Harris. God, see? see? You're a NorCal girl. You should know That's this. That's what I was just going to say. Why did I just forget that? Because the next thing I say here is that's one of the places I've been before. So Junior is hanging. It's, oh my God. <laughs> so Junior is chilling out at Harris Club Lodge in Lake Tahoe, which is cool to talk about a place that I have been before. Have you been to? Probably. Uh, I'm pretty sure we've I, been there together. I was say, <laughs> wait a Wait a second, we were there together. (laughs) Anyway, so he's resting there in his dressing room since that's where he was performing that evening. Amsler and Keenan, who had been following 19-year-old Junior around for weeks to track his movements, followed him to the club and knocked on his dressing room door, pretending to be delivery guys. They get inside and find that Junior is not alone. He has a buddy with him. They tie up the buddy with tape and then blindfold Junior and escort him out of the club and into their car outside. Leah, because we are creeps and watch too much true crime, can you spot the big mistake that the kidnappers made here? Um, you should never leave a witness alive. <laughs> yes! Duh. So I'm not making it. God, we're so creepy. <laughs> I'm not making any suggestions about what you should do in a situation like this, but maybe don't leave a witness behind alive and tied up with tape. (laughs) And that is where my audio cuts out, guys. This is Leah, and due to some technical difficulties, my audio just um, decided to stop recording about 10 minutes before Rachel's did. And instead of... um, trying to re-record and waste time. I thought you guys could just enjoy Rachel's voice for the rest of the episode. Um, Although I hope you don't enjoy it too much because that means that I'm pointless in this entire podcast. So please enjoy. Thank you. And good night. It doesn't come with much surprise that this buddy ends up breaking from his binds and notifying the cops ASAP. The cops jumped on it, setting up roadblocks and stopping any and all suspicious drivers passing through. And, believe it or not, they actually did stop the kidnappers, but they somehow charmed the cops enough to get by and continue on with taking Junior to Los Angeles, where they had a little hideout. By the next day, the kidnappers had contacted another buddy of theirs. Also a mistake, but I'll stop giving kidnapping advice now. (laughs) So... The kidnappers, they call up a guy named John Irwin, who handles all things ransom. So Irwin, he calls Papa Sinatra, (laughs) 
and demands $240,000 in exchange for his son. Sinatra complies with this request, but in the smart way. By this point, the FBI has gotten involved, so Sinatra delivers this money to the FBI to coordinate meeting the kidnappers between two school buses located in, I'm so sorry for anyone that lives there, I don't know how to say it, Sepulveda, California? <laughs> it's, it's a place in California, guys. So Amsler and Keenan go pick up the cash. In the meantime, Irwin, remember the buddy they brought in after the fact, the huge mistake. Well, he proves himself to be a huge mistake because he freaks out while the other kidnappers are gone and he lets Junior go. Junior was found sometime later in Bel Air, where he, not Bel Air the store, but Bel Air, California, where um, Fresh Prince of Bel Air is from. <laughs> so it's while he's in Bel Air that he notified the first police officer that he found. Sadly, Junior couldn't give much information about his kidnappers because he had been blindfolded and had barely seen them. But poor Irwin, bless his heart, not only was a nervous Nelly, he was also a talking Tiffany. Is that a thing? <laughs> he ends up blubbering to his brother about the whole incident, and his brother then calls the FBI. The FBI swept in and captured Amsler and Keenan. Because people are haters, there were, of course, those that suggested that the kidnapping had been a publicity stunt on the behalf of Junior. I guess it's up to you to decide. Um, there are a ton of pictures from this incident for you to check out. Yeah, so we've talked about events and crazy things that happened to or because of Sinatra. But let's wrap up this episode by talking about Sinatra himself and his personality. I want to start with the really awesome positive things about him. Um, many people have stated that he was an extremely generous person. One example would be all of those failed marriages. He remained friends with many of them and even continued to financially support them over the years. As for all of the FBI agents that helped with Junior's kidnapping, Sinatra bought them all expensive gold watches. Frank Sinatra was also a major advocate for civil rights, and this is years before Brown v. Board of Education. He wouldn't perform at clubs that his black friends were not allowed to attend. He wouldn't stay in hotels where black people were not allowed to stay. He wrote songs about the importance of equality with lines like, The children in the playground, the faces that I see all races and religions, that's America to me. Diving into the darker sides of his personality, though, he was also an extremely emotional person and could go from extremely happy to extremely sad or extremely angry in a matter of seconds. He was known to have, quote, a cruel streak in his personality and could become violent when angry, screaming and cursing out at other people. Sadly, Sinatra really struggled with depression, too, and he actually did attempt suicide four times. Yeah, the majority of those times uh, were when he was going through that really tumultuous relationship with Ava Gardner. And I am the worst person on the planet because that's actually the end of the episode. <laughs> 
My God. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of Hashtag History. We will post the pictures that Leah described to our Instagram, and you can head to our website to see all of the sources we use to put together our episodes. If you enjoyed the episode, do us a favor and subscribe to Hashtag History on whatever podcast platform you use, share it with a friend, and give us a rate and review. And as always, be sure to check us out on Instagram at Hashtag History underscore podcast. If you check us out on Instagram, sometimes Leah does fun live videos where she takes three shots at the pressure of our listeners. (laughs) All right, well, thank you guys. Bye.